Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and fresh from being in my dreams and my nightmares across the last week, it's Stu. Why have you been invading my nightmares, Stu? Uh, because I'm Freddy and it, I just do it for fun. I feed off your fear. Yeah, that's the one. You know, that's the one that does get me as well because you can't, you can't explain Freddy away like you can any other horror villain. I know. It has the most logical sense as well as being very, very scary. Yes. Talking of scary, games can sometimes be scary and we like to segue into games. So, what have you been playing, Stu? Smooth. Um, <laughs> well, you see, this for the first podcast ever since we started, I have not played a single game this week. Just not a single one. So to give some balance to everything, shall I take the first game then? Oh, it's probably for the best. And then, yeah, you can tell us a little bit about something. You can tell us a little bit about something afterwards to break up my voice. Why not? Give the, give the, user, give the users, the listeners, something to listen to, to look forward to. <laughs> um, so the first thing I've been playing, again, it's one of my catch-up games. And I think I mentioned it briefly a few weeks ago. And it's Vaporum Lockdown. Possibly butchering the pronunciation, but we'll see. And it's a... It's an interesting game, actually. I'm still, I'm still not 100% sure if I like it, but it's interesting. So, do you know the old dungeon crawlers where it's like you tank controls, first-person tank controls, and you move across a grid kind of thing? And you, you see them in like probably more modern Japanese, like Demon Gaze-style games and stuff like that. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those type ones where you make a step forward and then something else happens. You make a move, something else happens. It does that. Um, it's got a, a, an interesting story about a, um, a, a scientist who's trying to survive something that happened. The story didn't kind of stick with me. The text is all really small um, in handheld mode on the Switch, which is a pain. But trying to uh, um, survive something disaster that's happened anyway and you've got to go through this like maze like thing it's really really dark and it's um an rpg so there's lots of loot to pick up and uh, builds you can get so you get these like the only best way i can describe them you get these suits that are like the armor suits in fallout you get those they each have their own kinds of stats and buffs and so on and you can upgrade your stats and everything as you go along pick up different weapons and manage your inventory and some weapons are better against some enemy types. Other weapons are, again, against others. And it's, it feels very old school, but with some modern quality of life things going on. Uh, my problem with it was I first started this when my vision was still quite poor. And it was just too dark, too much. I couldn't make out enough detail of what was going on. And playing it last week, it was still a bit of that. But what if you infuriated me more was just I couldn't make out what I was carrying. Honestly, the text is just too small. It looks like it was made for PC first or a big console, ported onto the Switch without any effort being put into accessibility, which is a shame because one of the things I liked about playing games like Demon Gaze wasn't the aesthetics because, dear Christ, that gets you put on a register. <laughs> but the movement through those dungeons i like the movement through the dungeons and the encounters but i can't do turn-based rpg very well mm. so this is more real-time tactics 
it's in a way. So if you see an enemy, they'll have a certain move pattern and you can move around them to get better attacks at them. Or if you get it wrong, they can attack you. You can be quite overwhelmed in places and you die a lot. It's not roguelike or, or, or roguelite or anything like that. And the game encourages you to do a lot of saving. It lets you save almost anywhere. So that's a thumbs up accessibility option there. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an odd game that I'm kind of wanting to push through and enjoy, but just aren't... I don't know. I don't want to be down on it because it's doing a lot of good things. Yeah. But it's not grabbing me the way I hoped it would. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe the um, the apocalypse was caused by the world losing its ability to have decently sized text. Yeah. Because that, that would cause absolute chaos and pandemonium. So well, Yeah, I'd be bugged if I had the, um, the codes to stop the nuclear meltdown and it was on a Switch screen. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Tiny. That's it. World is ended. Nothing you yeah. can do about it. Um, yeah. I, I, I get they want to fit it all in in the same thing, but it, there's got to be something now. And I don't want to keep... So the, the Switch has the inbuilt magnifier, which is good, but it takes you out of what you're doing too much. So uh, it needs something just to improve text size and add scrolling boxes. It's stuff you can do in basic HTML, so they must be able to add it in in like text boxes within a game. It does seem like a very strange thing not to do. You know, I mean, how... How lazy do you have to be, or like how ignorant of the re- the reception it's going to have do you have to be to not realise that it's completely illegible on a five inch screen? Do you know what I mean? So that's yeah, a very very strange one. And like you say, Zoom is all right, but you still need to have a game built. You know, that's the kind of last gasp, desperate measure, isn't it? It's not yeah. a design feature kind of thing. No, no so this is this is really weird because for me, overall, it's it's the story is actually fully voice acted at the same time. So you get the story beats, but it's the flavor bits and the information about weapons and armor that really where you need the text. Yeah. So it's such a good game, but again, I think I'd rather play it on a big screen, but the, there's a personal nature to it that makes it ideal for the switch and i don't know i don't want to dump on it but i'm just not enjoying it like i'm hoping i would and i feel really bad saying it because a lot of love and attention has definitely gone into this game but it's just one of those i think it's just not for me yeah yeah and i guess that the problems of the game will be exacerbated by the fact that you you physically can't enjoy it as much simply because of the text issue as well yeah which is something that they could easily have avoided so that's a bit of a shame yeah yeah yeah. Um, and I say, I know you mentioned it, and I'm not picking you up on this, but I wouldn't say it's lazy. I think it's just the biggest oversight that Nion, I would say nine out of 10 developers make on the Switch. They kind of do it all. They, they, they must play test it because they know what it all is. They're probably not seeing how bad that text is uh, because it's not, if this was just one or two developers, I would be going, this is just not on. It's not on every, every one in three games out there, probably. Which makes it even more strange rather than yeah. less, doesn't it? You know, it's like, why why is there not just a, when you get the development kit, you know, it's like, oh, and a big sticker stuck on the front of it going, don't forget to make the text size bigger. So, so, mm, yeah. so one game I'm looking forward to on the Switch when it finally hits is um, Disco Elysium. Now, originally, I wasn't looking forward to playing that on the Switch at all. I was going to try and force my way through PC version only. But one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to this now, it's going to have lots of text. I still think that's going to have the tiny text issue, but it's fully, 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 fully voice acted. 
every single little iota of it is fully voice acted. So that's going to counter that. So I think if you can go that route, and not everyone can, where you can fully voice act everything, that kind of counters it a little bit. But again, with a game that's Disco Elysium coming out, a big, de- a big indie developer will say behind it, a big like who's probably earned their money from the game already. Let's see if they can maybe get those accessibility options right for the Switch. Yes, let's hope so. Yeah, because obviously, if they do it, for, if the game's fully voice acted and they still neglect the text, then that dis, you know, discomforts deaf gamers or you know, hearing impaired gamers. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let's but hope. W- yeah. One day, one day, maybe we could drill down into the issue. Segway. Oh, Segway. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see where you're going with this. Yeah, I, I have played, not this week, but at some point in the near, dis, not too distant past, uh, Mr. Driller Drillland, which I think I mentioned briefly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still not played a load of it, but what's interesting about it is Mr. Driller is just like, you drill down and you've got to make sure you don't get crushed, as one and two, that you don't run out of air. Now, Drill Land, which I didn't even know, and it's been out for, what, 20 years, something crazy, is that you have, like, boss fights, and you have multiple routes, and you have warp points, and all sorts of stuff, power-ups, pickups, and it's like, okay, that's a bit bananas. So, because it looks, visually, it looks, you know, pretty much identical to the original game, but it's got all this extra stuff going on. So... I have no idea how I managed to evade it <laughs> impinging on my consciousness that it was a properly really different game, but it did. And yeah, it's, it's really good. And also a good example of, you know, where do I take my franchise now? So you got, you know, you got Tetris, which you pretty much perfect on the, on the, on your first swing, you kind of knock it out of the ballpark. And then it's like, where the blooming heck do we go from here? And it's a good answer to that. It shows a good way of expanding things without losing the core fundamentals that made the game fun in the first place, but expands it without just making it pointless guff like, I don't know, Super Monkey Ball 2. <laughs> and yeah, most Super Monkey Ball spin-offs, yeah. Balls, yeah. <laughs> Super Monkey Ball spin-offs, yeah. But yeah, no, Mr. Driller has been a, a, a quite a favourite franchise of mine over the years i've played sort of like mr driller mr driller 2 uh mr driller drill land on its first time round uh drill spirit mr driller versus i think was the last one i played before this real this this release uh, and a couple of japanese only um versions that i got via roms and uh, and stuff like that and it's a really interesting concept that you know it's very simple you you drill down it's most simple that's it and as i've always said puzzle games that's what you need a simple concept that's easy to play difficult to get the best out of and mr driller does that i've never been good at mr driller um but it really doesn't matter because it's got that one more go thing going on you can spot the mistakes you can spot where it's coming in you get those panic inducing moments but you always die and go right i'm going back again i'm gonna get through to that next that next proper marker and stuff like that and yeah drill land is yeah absolutely fantastic and the uh the uh remake of it is absolutely outstanding as well i've hammered that on the switch for a little bit i might go back this week 
Ah, yeah, no, it's good when they do that. Yeah, uh, it's so easy to go wrong. It probably helps that they've not absolutely flooded the market with sequels for it, you know? There's not actually been that many um, over the no. course of so many years. Yeah. No, I mean, the last main one was, uh, I'm going to put this, which I believe was Mr. Driller for Cacao, which was a iPhone game in South Korea. That was the last sort of like <laughs> full release there was. You've actually got to go back, I think, to, I'm going to say 2008, possibly, for Mr. Driller Versus. Yikes. Yeah. Which was a Japan-only, I think, the last Western proper release. Probably the DS versions. It was probably like Drill Spirits was the last proper Western release. So it's not had a major following outside of Japan, but I think it's just one of those games. It's so unique looking and colourful looking that you kind of look and go, oh, yeah, I'll give that a go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's certainly not um, certainly not an easy game. I mean, it starts on, you know, it starts hard and it only gets harder from there. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's a weird no, thing to have some knowledge on. By the way, it's just some random Mister Driller games. Yeah, that's a good one to have. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll take that on to one day. That'll, that'll be a chase question one day, and I'll, oh, I'll nail that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what else have you been playing this week? So it's another one where it's a catch-up game. It's almost a really good segue, actually, because the game's called Summer Catchers. Um, That was an unintentional segue. This one, again, it's another one where it's left me a little bit cold and disappointed from what I was expecting from it. And what you've got here is an endless... Is it an endless one? I don't want to call it an endless runner because it's it's more than being an endless runner. So what what you've actually got here is a story-based game that is part endless runner, part puzzle game part resource management and you basically play as this character who's never ever seen the summer lives in a winter world and um, wants to go and see like the sun uh, and things like that so he's british then (laughs) yeah um Mm. looks more canadian i would say but we'll we'll see (laughs) i think they describe it as the frozen north or something like that anyway and you meet a bear in the woods and he doesn't shit that's strange so um does a bear in the woods apparently not it's it's probably it's the pope isn't it yes it's the pope who does that in the woods yeah and um but what he does do is he builds you a lovely little wooden car that allows you to drive from the wintry woods of the north wherever you are and fight your way to the the summer um taking on various bosses and stuff like this in this car and the basic way you do it is um if you've ever played uh, the runner games what are they called bit trip runner sorry if you ever played those there's a bit of that in there but you're in a car yeah and you get various tools so you get like rockets that will help you like go up hills quick um you get things that will help you jump things that will help you cut down trees um things that will help you barge through things and then you collect these mushrooms as you go in and they give you you use those to spend points on getting new items and so on and so forth and on the whole it should be a really good fun casual game and the concept is it's got some like mini game puzzles that break things up here and there and it's just a really nice game however there's two things that really stressed me out with this game that made stop me really enjoying it um one is that at any one time you can only have three items on the screen to choose from and you don't know what's coming up. So there's a lot of RNG and a lot left to chance as you go. Right. So you don't 
you just don't know what's going to be there. So you might have like a jump, a jump, and a rocket boost, but there's a tree coming up. So you, you need to kind of use an axe to swin that down, but you can't. Uh, so you go, right, I'll quickly get rid of the other items and see if I can get what you might not because it's RNG. And you might waste those items um, and then be left without what you need to finish your run. And I, I get what they're going for there, but it leaves too much to chance. And it got frustrating more than going, oh, never mind, we'll go again. It got more frustrating than anything because there was so much seemingly out of my control. Yeah. And the other thing, you've got these three items you can choose from. But instead of having each of those items on a hot button, so like A for the top one, B for the middle one, and uh, X for the uh, bo uh, top bottom one, you've got to kind of press up and down on the D-pad and then select it with A. And that doesn't feel really intuitive to me. That seems really weird. And I did wonder why they can't just have, because you, the, the, like the car just goes. You can't control the car in terms of its speed or anything like that. It just goes. So why they couldn't just let you have all the things you've bought on the screen, each with a various button prompt. Uh, because you can take as many as you want. You could almost, like I think it's up to nine items you can take with you. So you could do that on, I don't know, you know, L2, R2, L1, L1 uh, R1, so on and so forth, and cover most of those. So I, I don't know. It's, it seems to be a good idea that's aimed at casual players, but requires a lot of min-maxing to get the best out of it, which casual players aren't going to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Do you remember Jetpack Joyride? Uh, well, of it, but I didn't ever play it. It's similar to that, where it's an endless runner, and what you collect can be used to get more upgrades and make things better for you to take with you. And it does that kind of thing really well. Um, and I think this would be a great upgrade to, to that sort of game, but just just misses the mark unfortunately and again it's another game where i don't want to dump on it because again so much love has gone into this game but there's just let's say those two things just really made me go oh, i'm done with this now yeah well i mean you know being critical of a game doesn't necessarily mean being mean does it it's it's just that you're being honest and it sounds like you've certainly tried your best to get the most out of it, but if it's got sort of fairly glaring flaws like that, it can be really hard, especially as it's a fairly simple yeah. genre anyway. Yeah, you know me. I try. I will always go to bat for an indie game as well. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not, it's not a bad game. We're not talking about a badly made game. So, you know, again, it's why I don't ever want to be harsh on things like this. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, about a tenner. I think, which I think is too much for what this actually is. Yeah. And yeah, you know, if you could pick this up in a sale for a couple of quid, it's a nice time waster. But beyond that, unfortunately, no. Lovely art style, though. Sorry, I've got, I must point that out. Always to finish on a good thing. Absolutely gorgeous pixel art style. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes you a long way, I think. I mean, I, I really couldn't stand Hyper Light Drifter. And mm. for sort of similar reasons for what you've been mentioning in a way in that i it felt like they were going for something but they that made the controls deliberately awkward like to try and add to this the difficulty but i think they think mm. they were making it more sophisticated do you know what i mean yeah oh 100 yeah. I've, I've seen that before with games yeah. where it's gone 
you don't need any, not if it needs to be Dark Souls eyes. Yeah, and I mean, it, honestly, it could just be that I don't get it and because it, it doesn't click mm. with me. And a really good sort of counterpoint to that is Ghost Runner, which I, you know, would praise to the to the high heavens and was mm. pretty, yeah, one of my games of the year last year. But loads of people will go, well, that's just not designed properly, even though it is. And I'm there going, Hyperlight Drift are not designed properly. And the people going, you know, oh, you're just rubbish then, aren't you? And that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I love Hyperlight Drift. I think it personally, I, just, yeah. I, I really enjoy playing it. Yeah. But yeah. So there you go. Exactly. It just, you know, it is a personal, it is a personal thing. But you've, that doesn't, that shouldn't stop you being honest about it, about, you know, about your feelings about it. Definitely. It doesn't mean that you're just dumping on it. Yeah. No. And it is something that does become very hard to do. I can deal with criticism. Um, people turn around to me and go, turn around and went, oh, the podcast's awful. I don't know why you bother, Brad, or why you even writing. I can deal with that. really doesn't bother me. I can deal with horrible comments on Twitter, YouTube, um, comments in posts and things like that. does not bother me, but I cannot dish it out. Um, I'm almost like the opposite things like that where i i i can take criticism i don't like dishing it out in a nasty way yeah. um you know again i will recognize like for example ubisoft games um and we'll mock them a bit and by disdain for the actual company yeah but i still maintain they are still some great games they make and love and attention goes into from the developer's side um and the mechanics are all spot on um but yeah i i, I can't just go all in horrid on a guy unless it's sonic 4 episode one <laughs> which deserves everything it gets yeah i don't think since we've started that we've gone all in on a game and just ripped it to bits uh, even the stuff that we we don't take to yeah yeah no i'm the same i'm like you know no i don't play core duty but you know that's because it doesn't click with me it's not me saying it's a garbage game sort of thing and i think when the worst that you can say about an assassin's creed other than obviously, you know, <laughs> when you get the weird glitches that make skeleton faces appear, is, you know, that there's a little bit of, you know, it's a bit repetitive, then that's not that bad a criticism, really, because there's still loads of no. good stuff in it. So, yeah. 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 But I think that comes down a lot of it, um, you know, the way I was probably bullied at school and the way I dealt with now learning that I've got ADHD and, and things like that um so maybe that comes from uh, from why i won't do that um but anyway moving on i have been playing one other game and it kind of took over a little bit and it kind of put um subnautical on the back burner for a little while so i've got to get back to that next week uh, so i can talk more yeah. in depth about that game because that's wonderful but i've been playing snow runner again which I actually reviewed in text for the PS4 version on the site back in, I want to say 2020 sometimes, April maybe, I don't know. Um, something like that. I should check these things before I talk about them. No, oh, that'd take away all the spontaneity. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you make me sound like I know what I'm doing. And, you know, I don't. Yeah, well, you know, that's part of my job, isn't it? To make it look like we're professional when we're not. Mark Kerr mode, I'm not. But yeah, I, I've been playing more of that on the Switch this time. I, I've said before, you know this, Stu, and regular listeners will know this. I'm blind to frame rate drops here and there and poorer graphics. Does not bother me one iota. Um, and I'm sure SnowRunner on the Switch looks nowhere near as good as SnowRunner on the PS4 or the Xbox Series or, or the PS5. But no one knows what it looks like on the PS5 because no one's got one. 
Um, Precisely. But yeah, I, I'm sure it looks nowhere near as good, but it plays well. Um, it plays as well as I remember on the PS4 from last year. And the reason I want to talk about it is not to talk about the aspects of gameplay as such or, you know, what it does well in terms of graphics or the, it's great that it fits on a Switch. It's I've seen a lot of people going, oh, I don't get, I don't get it. And it's uh, the intro into it's too much. And, it's, you know, I should make it more accessible. And I'm usually all for that. But the original Snow, the, the original release of Snow Runner, and even more so the Switch version, is ideal for me and my brain. I, I'm playing it and I can do it in very small segments. And it's very clearly marked in terms of here's your quest. These are where your quest markers are. And then it's up to you to get to them. I like that. I like when there's a quest marker and it goes off you go. Um, and that tells you that's where the quest marker is. And you can explore, but you can always find your way back by using that quest marker. Um, because I love exploring in games. Um, but what I don't like sometimes and what gets sometimes overwhelms me, it does it. I think Skyrim does it, Fallout does it, and it overwhelms me. Is you know when you play those games and you go on a bit of a wander and then you get loads of little markers come up and you like side quest markers and points of interest and by the time you know it you've spent three four hours just wandering about getting you quest markers and uh, what was I doing? Yes, yeah. Uh, well, it's even worse probably because I kind of got ah uh, too far away now. I don't want to play this at the moment. Yeah, I'm surprised I completed Fallout Three. Honestly, I really am. Which shows how good a game it was, more than anything. Whereas this, it kind of goes, it lets you wander off the beaten track and you do these things. But it still keeps the main quest markers as, as the main thing. And I, I really like that. And it's slow. It's methodical. It explains everything in a certain way. It doesn't talk down to me, but it doesn't make things too difficult to understand either. And yet for me... It's just a really good example of what a good ADHD game is. Um, I've spoke before whereby I've said, oh, games are too overwhelming or they don't give enough information or I need reminders of what I'm doing. And this does it in a really subtle way. It's not constantly going, go here, go here, go here, go here. But it will prompt you up quite a lot of, of this is how you uh, bring up all-wheel drive or you know this is how you use the crank these are these are the, the button prompts for it um and it adds challenge into it but you've got the options there to take the challenge out if you want to make it a much more casual experience and yeah, it just it just works for me um it's one of those things i can't explain why and it's frustrating at points and I've I've seen people talk about uh, when you get frustrating things that must be hard with ADHD and it's, it's sometimes it's not because you've got to do problem solving and problem solving is great I love problem solving it's why I like puzzle games I think and Snow Runner is very much a a puzzle game in a weird simulation setting and I, I might go into more detail or speak about it a bit next week when I've spent more time with it again but. Yeah, it's it's just I don't I don't want to say there's a perfect ADHD game, but it's one that really just speaks to me and hooks me in uh, every single time I've played it. So yeah, wonderful. If anyone does have a game that they feel you know really hits with them for whatever reason that others don't, then do let us know in on Twitter, Discord, email, or wherever. But yeah, 
not always like most games where they're like signed as oh these are great for mental health this is one of those where it's not designed for mental health but it just works for it yeah yeah you might like bravely default to them because that always signposts the main quest and it doesn't sort of force you to to go straight for it but at the same time it allows you to go for it if you want but then obviously because it's a jrpg you do have to do some grinding but the grinding isn't a crazy amount and also mostly just getting from a to b will give you the stats you need so it's really well balanced so even though it doesn't do anything fantastically original it's com- it's comforting and comfortable in that way which you know like you said about skyrim and western rpgs they're not designed necessarily for you to be comfortable mm-hmm. they're designed for them to be surprising you know to be, for you to turn a corner and not what, know what's going to be there so you could have a vast empty plane that takes you 10 minutes to walk across or you could walk into a, a circle of vampires who are doing a ritual you know and so you, you, the trade-off there is that obviously you're not getting the surprise element um but you are getting a comforting experience that you you know that you can enjoy and not get lost. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Bravely Default, if someone can mod it to be set in London and give everyone real jobs and stuff like that, that I understand it, I'd be all over it. Yeah, <laughs> the job classes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a builder, a baker, and not a candlestick maker, because that's not a real job. No, not anymore. Never was. It just rhymed. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Low effort. Definitely yeah. very low effort. Yeah. Yeah. If they if they made that rhyme for a switch, the text would be tiny. Oh, there you go. That was a poor joke. So so poor. In fact, I'm going to take a step back, pass over to you, Stu, and put people out of their misery. Well, I'm not going to murder them, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'll, uh, I've already done I'll... that with my talking. Hey, <laughs> yeah, just a short one this week because I've not had a chance to play anything, and I'm very very tired, and it's been a hard week. We'll probably talk about that on the podcast next week. And we, we're very conscious of getting back to more mental health discussion. And it's it's all really been the fault of me getting a new job and having much more sort of punishing hours. So we will get to it though, I promise. But in the meantime, yeah, as usual, follow all our content on the website and on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. If you can support us financially, we're on Patreon or you can drop some money on coffee. You can also send in any thoughts, any feedback, any questions to the email podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com. Otherwise, have a great week. Let's hope the weather's better. Look after yourselves and stay safe.